Lord, we celebrate the fact that in this hour we can study these very precious words of Jesus where he revealed your true nature. We're so grateful you came and told us you're a, not a God of stone, far away, unconcerned, but a shepherd, one who intimately knows us. And I pray that that knowledge today will speak to our fears and calm our hearts and give us that power to live bravely in what sometimes is a very scary world. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Some of you might remember that we uh, prepare sermons about a year in advance, and I'm always amazed at how God seems to orchestrate the subject of the week with the happenings in the world of that week. And certainly this uh, weekend is no exception when we talk about fear and we think of what's happened in our world. As a country, we're still reeling from the shockwaves of that explosion in Oklahoma, coupled with the Unabomber attack. I remember a, a headline recently, 24 hours of fear related to domestic violence. I have a, several friends who live in, in kind of a daily fear that their children are going to be kidnapped. Even Disneyland was threatened with a gas attack. And all of these happenings are having an impact on us because as a society, we're becoming one filled with fear. Newscasters interviewing various people asking about their responses to these happenings in our country seem to stimulate a universal response. People say, I'm scared. And for all of these reasons, it seems that it's very important for us as Christians to renew our knowledge of the security that we find in Jesus Christ. If you've been reading the business page, I think it was on the New York Times where I saw it, the security business is prospering these days as a result of the fear. Companies that put armor on passenger cars, home security systems, personal bodyguards. And I think as Christians, it's important for us to then look into our security system that Jesus offers as our friend, as our savior, as our shepherd. Did you know that there are 366 commandments in the Bible saying, fear not? Now, I, I don't know what motivates somebody to go through the Bible and come up with that statistic. That takes a lot of time, but it is interesting. There seems to be one commandment for every day, including leap year. Uh, the Bible is very aware that um, we as human beings have a struggle with fear. When Joshua was about to lead Israel into the promised land that was filled with unknown danger and giants, God said these incredible words to him that seem to resound so relevant today. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's the bottom line message that I hope you're going to take home to you, with you today. That God, the good shepherd revealed to us in Jesus Christ is with us. And because that's true, we don't have to be terrified. Let's look at our text where Jesus is basically, through his promises, telling us, fear not. First, our Lord reminds us something that we tend to forget. We have a choice when it comes to fear, to what makes us afraid. If you think about it, here in our text, Jesus is telling us about his protective role in our lives. He is God in the flesh coming to tell us who he is and the resources he makes available for us. And he uses the metaphor of the good shepherd and the gate of the sheep. And implied here is if we trust what he says, if we believe that it's true, 
then as his disciples, we have power to cope with fear. In his role as shepherd, Jesus says, I am your shepherd. I know you personally by name, and I care about what happens to you. If a sparrow can't fall to the ground without the knowledge of my heavenly Father, how much more value are you than many sparrows? And then he said, even the hairs of your head are numbered. What Jesus tells us over and over again is that you are important to God. You're personally designed by him. He's concerned about you and nothing happens in your life that he's not aware of or involved in, really. To fully understand the shepherd's role, we must know first century Jewish culture. From early years, a shepherd was trained until instinctively he would value his life more than his own sheep. Now, when you think about that, that's rather amazing that a, that a person would be willing to risk his, his life to protect sheep. But that's exactly what happened. If you remember King David when he was uh, kind of interviewing for a, a role in Saul's court, he told about how he had been a shepherd and with his sling had protected the sheep from bears and lions. That's at the risk of his own life. And as a shepherd, that was his expected role. The Bible often calls God our shepherd. In the Old Testament, Psalms saying he is our God and we're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And then in Ezekiel, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. But something very significant here in our text, in the Old Testament, people didn't know really who God was. They had never really seen him physically. They, they knew about him. They knew certain things about him. But Jesus came and gave us the full picture of who this God they had talked about for centuries really was. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. God is like me. And I care about you. And that was brand new. And it was Jesus who said, I am God in the flesh and I'm personally watching over your life. And I'm with you no matter what's going on. And if you believe that, if you choose to believe that, you can conquer this enemy of fear that has sort of been like a cloud over humankind since the very beginning. A friend was in the hospital last week and he described it as a very frightening and humiliating experience. And yet he said even in his darkest moments, he found something that he really hadn't thought about too much before. He found comfort in the biblical promise that Jesus was with him. Something that was sort of just what you say in church up to that point, but it became a living reality for him in the hospital. He chose to believe in those scary moments he wasn't alone, nothing was happening to him that was outside of the plan of Jesus for his life, and that took away his fear. He found comfort. Jesus is alive. He's with us. He comes to us in times of crisis. That's the basic premise of our Christian faith, and it works to help us cope with fear. And then Jesus refers to himself as the gate of the sheep. That's an interesting metaphor in which, again, Jesus is highlighting his protective role over us. Even today, shepherds in Israel herd their sheep at night into pen-like structures uh, or into tiny box canyons. And then during the night, they will either sit or sleep across the opening of the pen or the box canyon. Anything that seeks to attack the sheep must first pass through the shepherd. You see what a beautiful metaphor this is. Anything happening in your life in the past or today or in the future is going to pass through the hands of Jesus. It has to go through Jesus before it can touch you. 
If Jesus loved you, if Jesus died for you, then can you choose to trust him that if something's hitting me, he didn't cause it. But if he allowed it, he knows what's going on. It's within the boundaries of his control. And the end result of whatever it is, he will work for your good and mine into our eternal destiny as his child. The writer of Hebrews beautifully articulates this security when he writes, I'll never fail you nor forsake you. Therefore, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I'm glad that God created us and therefore knows that fear would be a common enemy in the lives of many believers. Yes, fear takes many forms, but there seems to be this universal prescription from Jesus that's related to his role as a shepherd and then maybe helps us understand these words that I think, if you're afflicted with fear, you ought to memorize, I have. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. And then my favorite verse is from the Apostle Paul in terms of the subject of fear. I'm going to use King James, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. All this is saying is that today, if fear is invading your life, it's not supposed to be there if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. It's an enemy. It's a foreigner. God does not will his children to fear. And if we choose to trust that Jesus indeed is our shepherd and is the gate protecting us, those acts of trust can help us conquer fear. Jesus does one of at least three things with fear, or at least the situations causing us fear. He removes the danger. He strength, strengthens us to stra stand strongly against it. Or he uses the situation to help us grow in grace and to pull us closer to him. Whenever we're tempted to say, I'm beaten, there's no solution, I'm finished, there's no hope, it's at that very point we can choose to believe that Jesus is there and there's always a way out. That can apply to marriage. It can apply to physical illness. Anything in your life that you feel is hopeless, that's causing you terror, that you just don't feel there's any solution for, I remind you, nothing is impossible with God, and Jesus is God, and Jesus says, I'm personally involved in your life, and I'll use my power to do anything necessary to get your life to be the fulfillment of my plan for you. Therefore, you don't have to fear. If we choose to believe that, we can beat fear in our scary world. What is fear? Well, many definitions. Fear is thinking gone toxic. It's the imagination used to picture the worst. I, I like to think fear is calculating without God. Fear is our refusal to live by faith. Fear strangles our capacity to think and to hope and to dream. So I want to remind you today, as a Christian, you have a choice when it comes to the response you're going to make to fearful situations. You can believe you're in it all alone and, and you're going to crash because many things in this life are just too big for human resources. Or you can trust that Jesus is with you and that helps you do what Paul says, we can pass the breaking point and not break. We get knocked down, but we're not knocked out. We get up again and keep going. 
We can believe we can do all things through Jesus who strengthens us. We become sort of supernatural human beings motivated by what the world doesn't understand out there, namely that Jesus is alive and with us. Well, I need to ask a question. If this is true, and most of us would nod our head, we've heard it many times, why do so many of us as Christians still choose fear as our response to life's challenges? I've thought about this and thought about it, and let me offer this possibility. Many of you claim that you are Christians, namely that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you know that he died for you and all of that very important process of becoming a Christian. And yet for many of us, that's where it stops. When I talk to you personally, what I find lacking in the lives of many people is they know Jesus as Savior, but they don't, you don't, many of us, know Jesus as a friend, or as we're calling him today, a shepherd. It's hard for us to conceive, even imagine, that the God who created and rules this universe and calls the stars by name could be interested in me, could care about me, would be involved in my needs and problems, but that's really true. When you think about it, if he's capable of creating you, then why can't he watch over you? And Jesus says, the hairs of your head are numbered. Nothing happens to you that's beyond my care. The problem is we don't believe that or we haven't cho chosen to believe it. We know Jesus is Savior. We don't know him as friend. And therefore, we lack intimacy with him. When you were a little child, do you remember having moments when maybe you had a nightmare or you, at least you were frightened and you ran to your mom and dad, hopped into their arms and they kind of held you till you stopped shaking and crying. That's the parent's role. The other day a friend brought a, a little three-year-old by and I like little children and sometimes they warm up to me and sometimes they don't. But uh, this time the, uh, the little child didn't warm up to me and I was sort of offended. But you know why? I was a stranger. I wasn't that little kid's dad. He didn't know me. And you know why many of you can't find comfort in Jesus? Is that you don't really know him. You sort of got introduced to him as savior, but you haven't done what we tell you every weekend to do, get into the Bible, pray, start spending some intimate time so you get to know him. It's after you get to know Jesus and take the discipline to develop a relationship that then you understand he's a shepherd. Then you understand he's there for you when you need him. He isn't a stranger. You hop sort of into his lap. If that sounds foolish, I can only tell you it's just because you haven't experienced it yet. Jesus came here to be personally involved in your life, and that's the greatest resource in the world to cope with fear. If we're going to find help from Jesus, we're going to need to take the discipline of developing a friendship with him. And if fear is an enemy in your life, as it has been in mine, then you'll do almost anything to get rid of it. Well, then try doing what Jay and Frank and Brad and all of us tell you. Get into Bible studies. Get praying. Give it a priority in your life. Try it rather than just hear it and see what happens. If Jesus can calm the raging sea and silence howling winds, he can speak to the storms in your life. But if you don't know him well enough to turn to him, then he can't help you. He said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's a beautiful truth. But he's only there if we choose to receive his help. Have you ever thought about this verse in Romans? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? 
If Jesus died for you, don't you think you could dare ask him then to help you regarding that thing which is making you afraid today? That kind of intimacy is okay. That's what Christianity is all about. It's when we know Jesus as a friend, as a shepherd, that we can say with the psalmist, I will not fear, for thou art with me. I sought the Lord, and he delivered me from all my fears. So coping with fear really boils down to this question. Do we choose to believe that Jesus is a shepherd and a gate of protection? Or do we just kind of, well, he's my savior, but then we go on our life challenges all alone. This week, I want to give you a challenge. Try bringing everything that's causing your stomach to churn and keeping you awake at night and lay at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to know you personally. If what, what Walt is saying is really true, make yourself real. Make yourself personal. I'm discovering that exactly where I think the game's over, where I can't go on any longer, where I can't carry that burden another moment, just when I think I'm crashing, that's exactly when Jesus appears. In too many moments, I have panicked unnecessarily and endured sleepless nights, all because I refuse to trust this Lord who I call my shepherd. And perhaps that's your problem. E. Stanley Jones wrote this about trusting Jesus. If you allow the fears of yesterday and the fears of tomorrow, plus the fears of today, to gang up on you, it will break the strongest person. Live today. Dr. Osler, the famous surgeon of John Hopkins, urged us to live in what he calls day-tight compartments, shutting off yesterday, shutting off tomorrow, and living today. And then you'll deal with things once, just today. But if you don't do this, then you meet everything three times, yesterday, tomorrow, and today. So you're exhausted by overattention to your problems. Meet them once, today, settle them, and then dismiss them and go on to the next thing. I think that's a very wise doctor. So as you go home today, I wish you a week with no fear as you accept the challenge to trust your shepherd. And I close with this poem that one of you sent me. I was regretting the past and fearing the future, and suddenly God was speaking, my name is I Am. I waited, God continued. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it's hard, I am not there. My name is not I was. When you live in the future with its problems and fears, it's hard, I'm not there either. My name is not I will be. When you live in this moment, it's not hard, I am here. My name is I am. Something very significant in this text that we tend to miss Jesus said, I am the shepherd and I am the gate. And we think of shepherd and gate. But it's far more important when he said, I am. Because at that moment, every Jew knew what he was saying. When God first revealed himself to us as the people of God, it was Moses and the, and the burning bush. And remember, Moses said, who should I say to Israel that sent me? And God said, say, I am sent me. I am was God's name. And Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd, I am the gate. I am the God that appeared to Moses, the God of the Old Testament, and I'm standing right here in front of you, and I am here to say I'm here with all my resources, my protection, and I care about you and love you. Will you trust me? And he's saying that to you today. I am, not I will be, not I was, but I'm here, and I'm right by your side. Trust me.
And then through those kinds of perspective, listen again to what God said to Joshua and apply it to your life. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Believe it and it'll change your life. I wish you a week with no fear. Would you bow in prayer with me? Lord Jesus, thank you that you're not only our Savior who guarantees us a way to heaven, but you're a shepherd, a friend who walks with us in the various struggles that we face in this life. Help us to choose to believe it and appropriate what you have to offer. But we pray in Christ's name. Amen.